readable, relevant, and fun. Each episode, we'll discuss one classic book and share some recommendations for more contemporary reads that feature similar themes. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Hey, Chelsea. Hey, Sarah. How's it going? Great. I am so excited to talk about our first YA classic on the pod. Yeah, this one's really fun, and it was a great read to launch our summer classics, and I think that for anyone who really enjoyed our comforting classics episode and the recommendations on there, uh, I think that this is really going to be a sweet spot for those listeners. I completely agree. If you love Jane Austen, this would be a next great pick for you. So today we're talking about I Capture the Castle by Dodie Smith. And Dodie Smith is also the author of 101 Dalmatians. And so she's really in the kid lit and YA genre. The book was published in 1948, so it's definitively a classic. And for anyone who might be unfamiliar with this story or need a bit of a refresher, I Capture the Castle is the story of two sisters who live with their eccentric family in a literal crumbling castle. Told from the perspective of 17-year-old Cassandra, an aspiring writer who's intent on capturing the people and events of her life in writing, the book begins when two wealthy American brothers inherit the property next door. Cassandra's sister Rose is intent on marrying her way out of poverty and pursues the older brother Simon with abandon. There are couples to ship in this book, as well as thoughtful aphorisms on life and love, a sweet but complicated depiction of family, and some hijinks involving an alleged bear hunt. (laughs) This book is so much fun, and one of my favorite parts of it is that there are tons, there's an abundance of literary references that are so much fun and really helped me connect with Cassandra as a narrator. So my favorite of the references is when Rose is talking to Cassandra and she's talking about how these Americans have moved in next door and it's just like Pride and Prejudice and she's waiting for Mrs. Bennett to come and say, Netherfield has been let at last. (laughs) (laughs) And she asks Cassandra, Which would be nicest, Jane with a touch of Charlotte or Charlotte with a touch of Jane? And of course, she's referring to Jane Austen and Charlotte Bronte. And Cassandra has this really, um, (laughs) really funny answer. She just quickly says 50% each way would be perfect because she wants (laughs) to move on. (laughs) Yeah, she's like, normally I'd love to dive deep into this conversation, but she's so busy writing that she doesn't have time for such discussions. Yes, but we have time today. So (laughs) which would be nicest to you, Jane with a touch of Charlotte or Charlotte with a touch of Jane? I think today me would definitely say Jane with a touch of Charlotte, but I think my a little bit moodier and broodier teenage self might have said Charlotte with a touch of Jane. (laughs) How about you? That's such a good point. (laughs) Um, I was going to say it really depends on my mood or the season. Um, 
I think Jean with a touch of Charlotte is certainly nicest for right now for summer, but once the weather turns a little bit cooler, I'm going to be very much ready for Charlotte with a touch of Jane. Yes, that makes total sense. Charlotte is perfect for fall. It's so true. (laughs) So um, I am curious to hear about your previous experience with this book because you had read this one before. This was my first time through. Um, And I think this was on a summer reading list for you for teaching. Yeah. So I had read this somewhere in my youth. I'm not really sure when I read it for the first time, but I, I know I read it as a kid or a teen because certain scenes really are embedded in my mind. In particular, the part where Cassandra is taking a bath and she talks about the order of her baths and how first she basks when the water is really hot and then she frantically cleans as quickly as possible and then she spends the rest of her bath reading until the water is too cold to sit in anymore. And I think about this every time (laughs) I take a bath. So I definitely read it in my formative years, although I can't quite remember when. And then I revisited it a couple years ago when we put it on our sophomores summer reading list. So our sophomores read it over the summer at my school. I do have to say that they didn't love it. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's just long and... I mean, I think some of them really connected to Cassandra, but I do think that it was just a bit of a daunting read for 15-year-olds over the summer break. So for other teachers out there considering it, maybe something better suited for in the classroom than for summer. It is a very bookish read. So I can imagine kids who already find themselves wanting to write or reading classics or Um, just being on the nerdier side would really dig this one. But if not, I can totally see why it would be not necessarily the right book for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I I think it could, one thing I love about it is it could lead kids who see themselves as bookish and as writers into some other classics like Jane Austen and Charlotte Bronte, but I think you're absolutely right. So, but as a bookish person yourself, what do you think of your first read? I've really enjoyed this one. I don't think that I've ever read it before, but it felt like I had (laughs) just because Cassandra's voice is echoed in other characters that I really like and felt very familiar to me. Just the witty observations, the way that she describes her surroundings and her Fresh honesty is something that I really love in narrators and something I'm drawn to in other books. And the setting is one that I'm also drawn to. I love a good English countryside novel. I love a crumbling estate. (laughs) Um, And so it felt very familiar to me, even though I hadn't read it before. And I also really loved the bathtub scene. (laughs) Uh, I am someone who reads in the bath almost every single night. And so I absolutely loved that part where Cassandra's describing that. And then it's really funny when all of a sudden she gets caught in the bath and it's like a um, comedy of errors that befalls her. Totally. But 
But yeah, I really liked this one. I don't think that it would outrank my favorites by Ella Montgomery, like Anne of Green Gables or The Blue Castle, which is what this reminded me of. But it was really cute, and I'm glad that I read it, especially since it seems to be inspiration for a lot of YA authors. Yeah, absolutely. The edition I read this time around has an introduction by Jenny Han, and she, I mean, this is definitely another Anne of Green Gables reference to, she in her introduction says that whenever she meets somebody else who loves I Capture the Castle, she considers them a kindred spirit, which is really sweet. And I I just, I think YA books and kids lit that we read in our youth are so formative in terms of how we see ourselves and see ourselves as readers. And I think Cassandra is a is a great character for girls in particular who are discovering who they are and discovering their own voices. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, it was just still cracking me up the way that the bathtub scene sticks in your mind. I can think of so many scenes from Children's Lit growing up that just vividly I can still recount from the books that I read. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Another one for me is the Lady of Shalott scene in Anne of Green yes. Gables. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Such a good one. <laughs> so when we talk about Cassandra, um, this book is not just written from her perspective, but she is narrating the entire thing. She is teaching herself speed writing. And so she's writing in her journal to practice her speed writing, and she starts off by really just writing observations of what's around her. But then somewhere in the book, and I wish I could put my finger on where, she suddenly decides that this is really her telling a story, and she gets a little bit more into actual the craft of writing and being an author. And I love that journey, but I also just think that her narration and her perspective is so fun. Yeah, it is. I I love that as well, that this isn't just a first-person protagonist. She really is consciously choosing what she tells us and what she doesn't and what order she tells it in and how she describes people because she has decided that describing her life and the events of her life is the perfect way to learn how to write a novel. And I also think that's so smart. I never would have thought of that. It's genius. I think that there are a lot of writers who would give similar advice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Yeah, she has a great voice and a great energy. And she's humorous and honest. And I, I love that. It just seems like a lot of YA writers have found inspiration in Cassandra's voice. And I can totally see why. I would certainly call her charming. In the book, one of the characters refers to her as being naive. And I also think that that is pretty true. She is kind of naive and sheltered. And this is truly a coming of age novel where we get to see her wake up to the world a little bit and grow from a girl into a woman. And I love reading that from her perspective. Yeah, I agree. I I think... It's a pretty light book. However, I do think that as an adult reader, 
I can see that Cassandra is learning about power and gender and sex and manipulation throughout the course of this novel. And so it really is this waking up to some of the harsher realities of of life and what's expected of her as a woman. And yet she, while she's learning, she does maintain some of that naive quality. And so it's a really interesting, but I also think authentic tension for a lot of girls' experiences. Yeah, as I was thinking about this and when we refer to it as YA, I think what a great example for YA because young adult can have those deeper themes and doesn't have to talk down to readers. And I don't think this book does. There are some really tense family moments. There is commentary about class and like you said, gender and sex. And I think that those, all of those things can be in YA and they can appear to have a lighter tone, but the way that that gets across to young readers and sometimes to adult readers is one of the best things about YA and middle grade literature. Yeah, I I completely agree. It, it reminds me a bit, did you, you read Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino, right? Yes, yes. That chapter in it, Pure Heroines, about literary heroines. I don't think she mentions I Capture the Castle, but I love the point she makes in that about how young adult literature is so important and particularly to girls because in classic YA there always seems to be this understanding that girls independence has to end once they get married and so their girlhood really is the one time in their lives where they get to be these independent people rather than relational people and I really see that in this book. Mm-hmm. I love that essay, so consider that our bonus recommendation. <laughs> that whole collection is phenomenal. Oh, it's so good. So speaking of relationships, of course, that is one of the tensions here. We have the two wealthy American men who inherit the estate near the castle and, and also inherit the castle. So Cassandra's family is renting this crumbling castle, although they have not been paying their rent for some time. And now they are beholden to these two Americans who, the Cotton Brothers, who have moved in next door. And that, because there are two brothers and two sisters, and we already have had Austin thrown out, we, as readers, kind of know what we should perhaps expect, although Dodie Smith definitely does shatter some of our expectations. (laughs) Definitely. I just have to go on record and say that I really don't like any of the men in this book. And I didn't care. (laughs) I did not care about any of the love stories. I love a good love story. I really enjoy the romance genre. I like when romance is in my books. But in this one, I could have done without romance altogether and still would have enjoyed it. And in fact, the relationships really annoyed me. I guess I have a slightly different take on it. I mean, I do not care about either American brother. There's Simon and there's Neil and they're just whatever. But in the movie version of I Capture the Castle, (laughs) (laughs) young Henry Cavill plays Stephen. And Stephen is like kind of the 
hired hand that Cassandra's family keeps around, although they have stopped paying him and he does free labor for them and also gives them his salary. So that's a whole interesting relationship. But he clearly has a huge crush on Cassandra. And because he's young Henry Cavill in the movie, I I like him a lot. <laughs> I can agree with that. So my mom and I watched the movie last night and she couldn't get over the fact that Cassandra should have just been with Steven and yes, he's the cutest one and obviously. the Americans are boring. Yes, I wholeheartedly agree with your mom. <laughs> <laughs> so definitely I can agree with that in the movie version. But even reading it, I had a hard time connecting with Steven, partly because I was frustrated with him because I felt like he has this earning potential he could go out and he really, I don't, I couldn't understand why he was beholden to this family other than the fact that he was head over heels for Cassandra. But I was just kind of frustrated with him sticking around almost a little bit creepily. Yeah, there is some creepiness there. I agree. I think I, I have kind of like an, oh, he's, so sad and pathetic kind of and you don't enjoy when characters are pathetic and it's true i don't <laughs> and i somehow have like a higher tolerance for that you're nicer than i am no i don't know if that's it i i don't know if that's it at all but the scenes where he brings cassandra poems that he didn't write they're famous poems that he copies down and then puts his name on and Cassandra knows that he didn't write the poems, but she never says anything about it. I mean, that would have been me for sure. Not that any boy ever did that for me, but <laughs> not saying anything and feeling awkward would definitely have been my reaction to that. And so I find that endearing, even as I can agree that it's a, a bit creepy. The, the poem thing... Totally. I think it's really charming and also like a very adolescent boy thing to do. <laughs> um, and then the other part of that is that Cassandra's father tells her, you need to say to Stephen, I know that those poems aren't yours because you're kind of dragging him along. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't really get it. Like she's not comprehending that he's got these romantic feelings and that she's encouraging them. That's how naive she is. And I can kind of relate to that as well. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, totally. And and that confusion between do I love this person or do I like the feeling of being loved? And I think that is a really complicated emotion for young for young people. Maybe for all people. But I liked the the representation of that, and I I like a representation of a sweet sappy teenage boy because there are sweet sappy teenage boys, and we just maybe don't see them in in books quite as much. Yes, I there's especially from my high school teaching experience, there's a soft spot in my heart for the sappy emotional teenage boys. I just think that. And honestly, I have to say, I think a lot of them are like that. And a lot of people just don't get to see it. But yeah, I enjoy that representation. And I can totally see that 
Stephen character in some modern YA books. I kind of think of like Eleanor and Park mm. and the sweet boy character and some other ones where the teenage boy isn't a total douchebag. <laughs> yeah, that they're romantic yeah. and sweet. And I, yeah, I, I appreciate that. So relationships aside, I did really enjoy this book and I, I liked the tone and I like a lot of the themes. And of course, we're going to get to our pairings, but I'm curious to know exactly who you would recommend this book to. Well, if you're not a huge YA fan, I think you might still really love this book if you're a fan of Jane Austen, of Charlotte Bronte, of course, because not just because those references are in there, but because Dodie Smith uses similar characters and conventions but also breaks with some of those conventions, particularly in the end of this novel, which we won't spoil, but definitely an unexpected and different ending than a lot of women-focused classics. And yeah, I so, well, I also just, that makes me want to say that another thing I appreciate about this book is that it doesn't end in either marriage or death, which were like the two options for women in novels for a long long time and then I would also say I think Downton Abbey fans would like this oh yeah I mean (laughs) yeah there's the the sisterly relationship one is you know considered the beauty and the other is not considered the beauty and the tensions that that creates and then the component of American money saving some of these estates the crumbling castle and the tension between living in this beautiful place and also worrying about economic realities all of those are in here so I think Downton Abbey fans would love this one totally uh we mentioned Jenny Han before I think if you loved to all the boys I've loved before which we paired with this one for comforting classics episode definitely similar vibes and yeah we also mentioned Ellen Montgomery so Ellen Montgomery fans this feels very much like a sister to Anne. Totally. Yeah, I think this kind of fits in the that wheelhouse of Anne of Green Gables, The Secret Garden, A Little Princess, Little Women. I think it's maybe less visible than, than those, but just as sweet and empowering as well. Agreed. It's really cute. So if you need a cute story, classic vibes, this is one to pick up over summer. Absolutely. And before we get into our pairings, which I am super excited to talk about because they're all great summer reads as well, let's talk a little bit about our June partner. Yes. So we are thrilled to be partnering with Lauren of Bookshelf Tees for this month. And we both love the t-shirts from Bookshelf Tees. So she has designed these really cute graphic tees with bookish sayings on the front, really comfy fabrics, cute colors, and they're comfortable. They scream to the world, I'm a bookworm. (laughs) (laughs) And they're just really fun. Yeah, I'm obsessed with these. I own at least five. And to be clear, these are shirts we've purchased with our own hard-earned money and just adore. (laughs) They're definitely my favorite tees, both 
because I love feeling bookish when I wear them and they're just so cozy. In fact, I'm wearing one right now. It says stay home and read and I love it. Love the colors. Lauren has a great eye for design and for bookish vibes. So you really can't go wrong with these. Yes. So you can find Bookshelf Tees if you want to take a look at those on Instagram at Bookshelf Tees. And for the month of June, you can use the code Novel Pairings to get 20% off of your Bookshelf Tees order. And you can be on the lookout for a Bookshelf Tees giveaway on our Instagram account at Novel Pairings Pod. Yes, we're so honored to be partnering with Bookshelf Tees and we can't wait to see which t-shirts you guys pick out. All right, Sarah, so let's talk about our pairings. These are contemporary reads that we have paired with I Capture the Castle. So what is your first pairing for us? So what really stood out to me in this reading of I Capture the Castle was Cassandra's writing aspirations. And we we talked about this. I think that was one of the elements that we both really loved. So as mentioned, the whole book of I Capture the Castle is told in journal form and Cassandra is perfecting her craft while telling her story. And that reminded me a lot of Elizabeth Acevedo's The Poet X, which I adore. And I know you do too. The Poet X is a novel in verse told through the poems of Ziomara, a young teenage girl who has a lot on her mind and a lot to say. Xiomara is tough and she's dealing with a lot. She's maturing and getting some unwanted attention for her body, but she's also on the brink of first love. She's feeling distant from her twin brother and she's constrained by her family's religious beliefs and intensity of beliefs. And that actually reminded me a bit of I Capture the Castle as well. Both books have very different elements of very different ways of depicting this, but both deal with teenage girls being constrained by the society that they're living in. So among all of these changes and challenges for Ziomara, she's discovering her voice. The poems are urgent and powerful and still feel very authentic to a teenage voice. Like Cassandra, Ziomara is real and relatable, but still fully formed and distinct Sometimes I think I struggle with YA because I find that some of the characters tend to be blank canvases so that the reader can project themselves onto the protagonist, which is really important for younger readers. But that's not the case here. I definitely recommend this one on audio, especially if hearing the phrase a novel in verse makes you a little squeamish. But I personally also like having the paper copy so I can see the form and line breaks of the poems. It's also a great pick for Jason Reynolds fans and anyone who loves Jacqueline Woodson. And it's a good summer read because it's fast. You can easily finish it in a day. So that is The Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Such a great recommendation. Probably in like my top, maybe even three, five favorite YA books of all time. I mean, I just can't stop recommending her work. She's such a talented poet and gosh I just think when I think young adult authors are so underestimated but the ability to craft a narrative for young adults that still deals with heavy topics and is still super well written that's 
immense skill. It's just so good. She's amazing. I completely agree. And I am desperate to teach this book. It would be such a good one in the classroom, but I'm not sure I could make it happen this year. Maybe another day. <laughs> Maybe. It's so good. It's Definitely so good. can at least pass it off to lots of oh, students. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Chelsea, what is your first pairing? My pairing is a book that I just want everyone to read this summer. It's so cute. I read it last summer and it was one of my favorites. It is I Want to Be Where You Are by Christina Forrest. And at first I thought this was going to be kind of a loose pairing and not super related to I Capture the Castle, but the more that I thought about it, there are actually some really fun connections. So I think this is such an underrated young adult book. I Want to Be Where You Are. The title is aptly named after the Jackson 5 song. It is charming, sweet without being too syrupy and saccharine, and just the perfect summer coming-of-age story. I just can't help but recommend it here. There is a really fun boy-next-door romance, which sort of ties into I Capture the Castle. And just trust me that this is the perfect read-in-one-afternoon-on-the-porch contemporary YA read. Our heroine, Chloe Pierce, has dreams of being a professional ballerina. And three cheers here for Black Girl Ballerina representation. While Chloe's mom is on a cruise, she plans a secret trip to audition for her dream dance conservatory. And the dance conservatory is sort of modeled after the Alvin Ailey School of Dance. And you can think of the common trope here where her mom is gone. She says, I'm staying with the friend. She's not really staying with the friend, but (laughs) you know the common YA trope of like (laughs) all the lies that you have to cover up. (laughs) (laughs) Well, her neighbor Eli, who happens to be pretty cute and also has a dog named Geezer who goes with him everywhere. Amazing. He sort of overhears that Chloe is heading to this audition. He needs to go to the same direction to get to his dad's house. So he hitches a ride, sort of by blackmailing her, saying, "Um, you need to give me a ride or I'll tell your mom where you are. (laughs) And um, they know each other. Like, they grew up together. It's just, like, this annoying relationship. So their road trip involves hijinks and a budding relationship because of course when you spend more time with someone you realize hey maybe they're more cute than annoying (laughs) (laughs) and also a kick-ass playlist chloe's very into which music she's listening to and something that i love about the book is that the playlist is included at the back of the book so christina forrest curated this really fun playlist to match the road trip and These characters are just fun and they grow and change on this road trip in really believable teenage ways. This book felt very authentically teenager to me instead of, you know, sometimes a young adult book like the narrator is way too mature and wise beyond her years to be a teenager. This felt true to life to me. And this was just one of my favorite summertime books last year and I need to recommend it more often. It's so cute. This one sounds so good, and I know you recently recommended it to me for a specific reason, which is that I have been on the lookout for more books by Black authors that portray Black joy and Black love for me, but also so that I can pass them along to my students and include them in my curriculum, and 
you said this would be a great one for that. And so I'm excited to read it and hopefully pass it along to some students soon. Yes, totally. Any students who love To All the Boys I Loved Before books, I know we keep bringing up Jenny Han. She's just a fabulous YA author or just YA romance in general. This one isn't super all about the love story. There is that element, but just like the the cute, charming vibe of it is really going to connect with readers. All right, what is your next pairing, Sarah? So all of my pairings are going to be YA, which is pretty weird for me because I don't read a lot of YA. <laughs> but my next pairing is Fangirl by Rainbow Rowell. And we paired Fangirl with I Capture the Castle in our Comforting Classics bonus episode. But we went through that really quickly and it's such a good pairing and we both love Fangirl so much that I thought we should just double down on it here. So Fangirl is about Kath, who is a college freshman and a Simon Snow mega fan. So within this book, Simon Snow is basically Harry Potter. It's a wildly popular YA series about a boy wizard at a magic school. And Kath writes extremely popular Simon Snow fan fiction on her blog. So Kath goes off to college and she finds herself kind of lonely there. Her twin sister, Ren, is off making friends. And while Ren used to be Kath's writing partner, she's kind of moved on from this whole fandom. And Kath is left out and struggling to balance keeping up her writing and her fandom, which she's incredibly passionate about, and truly embracing the college experience. This is a good pairing for I Capture the Castle for several reasons beyond that writing connection. Kath and her sister, like Cassandra and Rose, lost their mother when they were younger and grew up really dependent on each other. And now one sister is branching out and seeking some sort of independence, which creates discomfort. Cassandra and Kath also both have a father who they're constantly concerned about and feel very protective towards. Although I have to say that Kath's dad is infinitely more lovable than Cassandra's. We didn't really touch on Cassandra's dad, but he's hard to like. Um, but still, that family loyalty is equally important to, to both characters. I absolutely adore Fangirl, and I think it's a great summer read. I will say that the book, the sto Kath story, is interspersed with Kath's fan fiction, and there are little sections of the fanfic throughout the book. And I didn't love those sections. So the book is great on audio, but I think I would recommend it on paper so that if you find that you're not loving those fan fiction sections, you can easily skip them. Um, I also didn't mention that the romance in here is just so swoon-worthy. And again, it's a subplot. It's not the focus, but Kath and... The boy she ends up with are a couple I still kind of think about, and I love a campus romance. So this is a just a great summer read for anyone who is into young adult, new adult, or just needs a light, kind of literary, sweet romance. I think that's one of my favorite Rainbow Rowell books. I really enjoy Fangirl. It's so good. And I love kind of the, the metafiction element and... 
it's it's just and a campus novel I always love it has just so many things that I like yeah I'm a big fan of a college setting and I completely agree that the romance in that one is super swoon worthy and talk about sensitive young men in oh, romance so true yes he's he's a good one yes so cute I agree all right what's your next pairing all right this one really leans into the romance and it's no secret by now that I love historical romance and Tessa Dare is one of my favorites. I always recommend her as a starting place for new romance readers, partly because if you love Jane Austen, you're likely to enjoy Tessa Dare. So given the Jane Austen connections with I Capture the Castle, this one is my recommendation. So I recommend Romancing the Duke by Tessa Dare. This one is the first in her Castles Ever After series, which makes wonderful summer reading. You don't have to read them in order, but this is the first one. And it features Izzy Goodnight, who is the daughter of a prolific author who wrote these fairy tale-like stories that just really took off in popularity. So her father, the author, has this huge cult following. And one thing that Tessa Dare does is she hilariously incorporates LARPing, which is live-action role-playing. <laughs> like you might have seen these people wielding swords in the park acting things out. That's LARPing. And she includes it in this historical romance in a really funny way. So the fans of these stories act them out. So think Comic-Con, but in Regency England. <laughs> well, Izzy is a spinster. She's 26 and she's never been kissed. So she's very much like Cassandra in the sense that she doesn't have any experience with men. And her father's a famous author. She is destitute, no family, no money, but she receives a mysterious bequest for a castle and she realizes that this might be her only saving grace. So she goes to this castle. She sees, hey, there's a lot of land here. I could turn this into a brewery and she gets super entrepreneurial about it and she moves into this castle and meets the disgruntled owner who is a duke and this is his ancestral home but it has been sold without his knowing or without his consent. So they're obviously at odds, both having a claim over this castle, but they work out an arrangement because he has a vision impairment and he really needs like a secretary. He needs someone to help him keep things in order. And as you can imagine, of course, they fall in love. <laughs> so this book is steamy, so be aware of that going into it, but it's also got the perfect gloomy castle setting. It's a good combination of Jane Austen and Charlotte Bronte, oh, nice. and I think Cassandra would just eat this one up. I love that. I love when, and you're really good at this, finding books that the characters and the classics would like to read. I love that so much. It's so much fun to think about. <laughs> yeah. Also, I one of the most scarring experiences of my life was when I was a freshman in college and I woke up to a very loud noise outside my window. And I opened my window and looked and there were a bunch of LARPers right outside <laughs> having a battle and my high school history teacher was one of them. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> I think that this might need to be your next Tessa Dare book, then. I think so. I read my first one this year, and I'm not going to stop with one, that's for sure. Oh, that's so funny. 
All right. <laughs> what is your final pairing? All right. My final pairing is a really sweet book that I just recently finished. It's a new release. It's called By the Book, and it has a really cute subtitle, which is A Novel of Prose, P-R-O-S-E, and Cons, and it's by Amanda Sellett. So this book is about a very bookish protagonist named Mary Porter Malcolm, and she's an avid reader who's particularly obsessed with 19th century novels like Austen and the Brontes. So she would definitely be friends with Cassandra. And obviously, I was immediately sold on that premise. Also, just have to say right away that the book has an adorable cover. It's like a, a teen girl sitting at a coffee shop, surrounded by books. It's so sweet. That always helps. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> it's very Instagrammable. So um, the book starts at the beginning of Mary's sophomore year when she transfers from a tiny alternative school to the public high school. She's a bit socially awkward, and on her first day of school, her only friend who transferred with her basically tells her she doesn't want to be friends with her anymore. Fortunately for Mary, she stumbles into a really close group of friends when she's at the bookstore after school that first day. So she overhears this group of girls who are all her year discussing some boy drama, and Mary steps in and offers advice that she's gleaned from the heroines of her favorite novels, particularly Anna Karenina in this case. <laughs> yes, it's amazing. And these girls eat up Mary's advice, and so she makes friends with them and continues to bestow all of her 19th century relationship wisdom often with humorous negative consequences. And this reminded me a lot of Rose in I Capture the Castle, who doesn't know how to act around Simon when she's trying to kind of woo him and win him over because everything she knows about love and flirting comes from old books. And that gets Rose into trouble, and it definitely gets Mary into trouble here. I, I'll say that I think this book was on the very sweet end and was a little eye-rolly for me a little bit precious, but I still really enjoyed reading it and, and ate it up. One negative of this book, I wish there was more diversity in it. One major positive for me was I loved the strong, supportive female friendships. I was really worried that this was going to turn into a Mean Girls story, and it didn't, and I really appreciated that. So if you love bookish books, for example, The Bookish Life of Nina Hill by Abby Waxman. I think that this would be a great YA version of that same kind of story. Also would be really good for Gilmore Girls fans. The Rory at, at her new school and that bookish identity, all of that's in here. So that is By the Book, a novel of pros and cons by Amanda Sillett. That sounds so cute. I can forgive a lot of preciousness if it's a book that I can read in one afternoon in the summertime. Yeah, totally. That's how I felt about this one. All right. My last pairing is another one of my favorite summer reads from last year, and it is City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. I loved this book mostly for the effervescent voice of the narrator, 
And I also really enjoy the epistolary style, which I know had the opposite effect on some readers, but I enjoyed that very much. And the narration of I Capture the Castle kind of reminded me of the things that I loved from City of Girls. So the main character, Vivian Morris, gets kicked out of college and her parents ship her off to New York City to live with her aunt who owns a crumbling theater. And Vivian grows into a woman as she works in this theater and finds her calling and meets new people and expands her world. And she also discovers her sexuality. I could not put this book down, but it wasn't because it was a page-turning plot or it didn't have any of those deep, dark secrets like, you know, in historical fiction where there's always the main character whose aunt has a suitcase in the attic and it's tied to some spy or something <laughs> like someone had an affair. There wasn't any of that. It was it was just Vivian's voice. And I felt like her friend. I wanted to know her. I enjoyed spending time in her world. And that's how I felt about Cassandra, too. The main difference of the book is that it's told from the perspective of Vivian as an old woman, not in real time like I Capture the Castle. So it's a bit more reflective, less youthful and naive, but I think that the tone is still quite similar. It also, as I'm thinking about it, maybe ropes in some of the themes from I Capture the Castle of the importance of art in people's lives kind of makes me think of Topaz, who we didn't talk about, but oh, yeah. Topaz is the stepmother and she is, <laughs> she's eccentric and she like goes out for nudist walks and <laughs> really lives for artistry. And I can kind of see some Topaz in this novel as well. Oh, I love that connection. And that makes me even more eager to read this one. And what is it about crumbling settings that we just love? <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. It's true. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's true. Yes, this theater has seen better days. It's everyone who works there is in dire straits financially, and it's literally falling apart, and yet it is such an endearing setting. I love that. All right. Well, we've chatted a lot about books today. But before we leave, uh, we're going to share our picks of the week. So these are non-book content, so either shows or podcasts or articles or other things that we think pair well with the classic we're talking about and maybe deepen an appreciation for it or just connect in a, in a fun way. So Chelsea, what is your pick of the week? My pick is a show on Netflix called Never Have I Ever, and this was produced and I think perhaps also written, I would have to double check, by Mindy Kaling. It is a really fun, funny, poignant YA show, and it involves themes like grief and culture and friendship and having a crush in high school and not fitting in all of the perfect themes that you want from YA told in such a spot-on way. I mean, the characters look and sound and act like teenagers. And well, maybe aside from the main love interest, he looks like he's 35, but everyone <laughs> else, everyone else looks like 
a real teenager and acts like a real teenager. And the three friends, the three girlfriends at the center of this are nerdy and dorky, and I love them. They're so charming and relatable. I'm really excited to watch this. I need a fun show, and that sounds awesome. It is really fun, but I will also say I totally cried, (laughs) especially at the last episode. Oh, those are the best things. Those are the best Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it was good. I mean, I also tear tear up sometimes watching, like, Schitt's Creek or, like, other funny shows like that. But it's when a show can strike that perfect balance of funny and true to life. And it's it's really, really sweet. So that's Never Have I Ever on Netflix. And it's really cute. Great. Well, my pick is totally different and (laughs) very much from my teacher brain. So we are having the wonderful Allie Hoff-Kosick on our show next week. She's the host of the SSR podcast, which is a podcast that reads throwback children's lit and discusses it from a kind of contemporary perspective. And in thinking about talking with Allie, I've been thinking a lot about YA and what it what it is. And I came across this great article called Huckleberry Finn versus Harry Potter, Why the British Tell Better Children's Stories Than Americans. This is an article from The Atlantic, and it kind of, it basically suggests that because of the folklore and culture, mythology, and landscape of England versus the more puritanical, moralistic views of Americans, even though there are so many similarities between our cultures, our children's books look wildly different. So I hadn't thought about that before, but most of the books I loved as a child were British lit. So like the Narnia books and Harry Potter. So there's a lot more fantasy in British children's literature than in classic American children's literature, which tends to be more moralistic. Like here's what you're supposed to take from this novel and become a better person from it. And I just thought this article was a really fascinating look at that. Whether you agree that the British stories are better or not, I think it's fascinating to learn a little bit about why these stories are so different. I love that. I think that I've read that article before and can completely agree that a lot of stories I find much more fun in the British realm than in the American realm, particularly when we talk about books like Little Women, which we both are on record for not loving because of the moralistic tone. But that's a conversation for another day. (laughs) Yes, we'll definitely get to that one. Yes. Well, everyone, for more classic lit enthusiasm and podcast news, we would love to have you on our Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod or over on Twitter at Novel Pairings. We would also really like to know whether you pick up I Capture the Castle or any of the books that we mentioned today, so feel free to tag us. And we're still a fairly new podcast, so we appreciate your support in spreading the news about us. You can tell your friends about the Novel Pairings podcast. You can share a favorite episode on social media or write a review on Apple Podcasts to help new listeners find our show. 
Thank you to Mark Anderson and Miles Eichner for our theme music. We'll be back next week with an episode about YA and middle grade fiction with Ali Hoff Kosick. And then on June 23rd, we'll drop an episode about Passing by Nella Larson. We declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How soon one tires of anything.